this episode of print run my name is eric kane and with me as always is laura zatz say hello laura hello laura today we are going to be talking about a very broad and big concept on the heels of a very specific incident we're going to spend more time on the concept than the incident but essentially we're going to be talking about literary stewardship and the role of like writing organizations things like that that are meant to sort of you know, keep us all together, right? Like help boost the, you know, chances of publishing moving in the direction we want. But before we get into any of that kind of stuff, um, how about the basic rundown, huh? Absolutely. Um, so if you're listening to this, welcome. This is our free episode. We also have uh, episodes that are available uh, as paid content through our Patreon, where we are focusing on things specifically for writers. So that includes a query show every month, a first pages critique show every month, where listeners submit their first pages and their queries to be critiqued by us mm-hmm. um, anonymously. And voluntarily, I promise. Uh, and then, in addition, we've got a bunch of other really fun content that we do. We always have a flex episode. This summer, we're doing Bookbird Summer, which is mostly just like a return to good vibes about reading books and writing books and just being in books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if that any of that sounds fun to you, check it out. If you want us to critique your work, send it to us. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, I did want to mention that if all of this sounds good to you, but you're like, man, I can't afford a Patreon subscription, email us because we will give you access for free. Always. No questions asked. Um, and I would also say, but before, um, just to plug the Patreon a little more, we're going to have some interviews up uh, later this week, month. They're coming. Later this uh, month. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're recording them this week. We're releasing them next week. We got the book club going. It's going to be really good. Join us, um, and we are sure you will get plenty of bang for your buck. Anyway, continue. Anyway, get us into it. Okay, um, if you've been a listener of this podcast for you know more than a year, uh, you've heard us talk about the Romance Writers of America <laughs> and the assorted. Everyone just did a big fist pump in, yeah. the, in the audience, right? <laughs> or like a gigantic <laughs> sigh. Yeah. Um, the Romance Writers of America is a behemoth of a writer's organization. Mm-hmm. It is the Mac Daddy. Um, in the winter, I would say about 60% of the socks that I wear are free socks that I got going to a party at they RWA. Give, they give free socks out? Well, no. It was, I'm part it, of so many shit organizations. I'd love some free socks. <laughs> no, they mostly do like pens and papery yeah, things okay. and like mugs. But the, the thing is, is because it's such a big conference like their their annual conference um i went and and the publishers go all out and so because i get and so i I went to this fancy harlequin party where you walk in and you know it's mostly women we're mostly fancy and they all they had was like chocolate martinis Mm -hmm. and towers and towers and towers of various desserts and big bowlfuls when you walked in of socks because the idea was that like the greatest dessert of all (laughs) the idea was that 
you know, when your feet were hurting and you wanted to like party down after a couple of chocolate martinis, yeah. you would put the socks on so you could dance oh, on the dance floor. Wow. But anyway, okay. there were a ton left at the end of the night, so I took like fifteen so you just of them. Hoarded the They're bowl of free socks. Excellent socks. <laughs> They're excellent socks. But wow, all of that okay. is to say it's a very big yeah, it's a very big right, organization. Sure. It's a very big conference. They've got huge chapters all over the place. Um, but there's been a lot of like fuckery specifically with regards uh -huh. to like racism um and various other intolerances yeah. uh and they've had really big shakeups and a lot of people have put in a lot of time and a lot of like blood sweat and tears in a lot of ways very literally to bring it back from the brink of just like being full of Nazis and turfs and bank and going into bankruptcy and like all of this stuff. And it's been, you know, a lot of people have just like disavowed it and they're like, it's got to die. A lot of people are like, we can make it better. Um, and all of this, like we were, I think 2020 was the year that we were going to see like, does RWA make it? And then everything got canceled because of COVID. So we've sort of been on pause. So we've been on pause. Yeah. And so one of the things that's been kind of exciting about what the new guard of RWA has done in the past year is they scrapped their old uh, award system, which were called the Ritas. Mm -hmm. And they, with the idea of creating a new, more meaningful award that is more, um, like, approachable or accessible, especially to, like, people of color, so that they're, they're wanting to really, like, put forward diversity in their mission statement now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, this past week, Eric, was the uh, awarding of the winners of the f first Vivian Awards, which are what the new the awards first, are named. That's the part that kills me about this. The, this first, the first one. Award. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Vivian Awards are named after a still living black romance author. Um, and, you know, everybody was very hopeful about them. Uh, the winners of the Vivian Awards, 13, I think, out of the 14 of them were, of the winners were white women. Uh, but the problem specifically that happened last week had to do with the winner of the religious and spiritual category. Mm -hmm. the, the winner of the romance with religious or spiritual elements. Yes. Um, the winner was a book called At Love's Command. And the biggest thing you need to know about this book is that the hero... Um, gleefully took place in a massacre of Native Americans. <laughs> so, actually, I, <laughs> like, I want to like stop actual there for, genocide. I want to stop there for a second because you were describing this. Because I don't, this is outside of my world. You don't work a in the sphere. Bit, right? I don't work in romance, but you know, I get my information from online, and I get my information most importantly from Laura when these things come up. A lot, lot of early morning text messages. Yes, and you were saying to me, you were like, you know, this. This weird genocide book won this award. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, what does she mean by that? What 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 is she, like, what term actually belongs instead of genocide? Because obviously there's no way that a, a, a book up like that centers genocide as, like, the main plot point would be the winner of an award. But it actually turns out I, like, okay, I went and looked. And I even read bits. You know, there are, like, passages floating around the Internet. It actually does seem like the book centers on a literal genocide like it's yeah. sort of, it's pretty it's kind of a I was pretty appalled but <laughs> um obviously there's a million different things 
that we could talk about in terms of like the problems for why something like this, you know, wins, why something like that specifically would win the category for like spiritual and religious elements because it's sort of like I think in the statement here, actually, I want to read the statement. Yeah, that they so gave. Just, it, just for the timeline here, yeah, the book the won, people got mad, and then the president of RWA released a statement, yes. and, and that's where we're at now, Eric. Okay, so here we go. This is the description of the category, which I think is really interesting. That the head of RWA released so, without any oversight. Romance with religious or spiritual elements as a subgenre of romance requires a redemptive arc as a genre convention. Okay. Essentially. Well, not okay. Well, okay, actually you're right. That's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay, but at least well, we've and we've kind of dissected this before. What they what they're really saying here is that this is a Christian category, yeah. right? Not a religious and spirit like it's a very specific subset of religion and spirituality yeah. that they're referring to. So as a Catholic, say, you read that and you're like, okay, that makes yeah, sense. Guess, as like, a Jew, I'm like, that doesn't make any sure. sense. No, I guess yeah. I, I look at that. I guess by the logic, I'm like, okay, a category that requires a redemption arc is fairly, related to God is not necessarily an offensive thing, right? Like that. That is a. I understand why a book like that. Or category yeah. book like that would exist, but so, it is specifically Christian yes, exa- oriented. Exactly, which it's very true. Yeah, very true. So continuing, essentially, the character can't be redeemed by human means. Only through their spiritual slash religious awakening can they find redemption for their moral failings and or. And I really want to emphasize and guys, slash or so and slash or crimes against humanity, like genocide. So. And then it says, according to its subgenre conventions, the book in question finaled and won for this category. I mean, it's basically saying that the category hinges on the guy doing a war crime or something, which obviously this book succeeds at in flying colors. Um, But what? Like, I guess, like, we don't, and again, like, the we, so we sat down to plan this out, this discussion, and think about it, and we're like, well, the thing we're not going to do is just recap this situation because there's a million people doing that. It's not particularly useful or insightful for us to just kind of add to that echo. Um, but, man, what a wild thing to have win your award, especially the first award you introduce after your last award was... A Nazi romance. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. Just, but all of yeah. it is to say... And I think we've even asked a version of this question on the show before, but it's really a good time, I think, to readdress it. And I'll open it with you, Laura, is what is the point of organizations like this? <laughs> like when we think about something like RWA or any big, I don't know, genre writing like organization, anything that is purportedly meant or to— Or professional writing right, organization. Any sort of professional org in related to publishing or the arts or whatever. Like what is the point and how can they do what I think we would all like them to do, which is like steward, be literary stewards of like a better, more equitable like publishing world. You know what I mean? And so I don't know where you want to start with this, Laura, but like I guess we've sort of spent some time reflecting today on like obviously what we would change, you know, and how we would kind of make these things. Like if we were like starting an org from scratch, like what would it involve, any of that kind of stuff. But just like I wonder – if on a fundamental level, what is it that seems to be such a feature of RWA and org and orgs like it? I mean, we're singling them out because they're the one in the news right now. But like, this is not problems in professional organizations like this come up all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, what what fundamentally needs to change? You know, like how do we like what are we actually needing to reorient toward here? Yeah. So I think 
I, I, I think the important place to start and I think the important place to dig in to the truth of all of the questions that you just asked are when things go wrong, right? Right. Um, and in at least my circle of the world, <laughs> uh, in terms of organizations where things have gone wrong, there are two very glaring yeah. examples. There's RWA in all of its like weird mm-hmm. racist formats. Like this is not the first time like a super like offensive right. book has right. won an award from them. Um, this one ended up being rescinded, which people in RWA are now having trouble with about whether that's allowed in terms of like what, I believe someone whatever. called it communism, which is a really funny definition of communism <laughs> to me. Um, uh, yeah, that is that is a that is a artistic <laughs> use of that phrase. Um, and then the other the other one is um, like with the Hugo Awards. Yeah. In right. science fiction and right. fantasy, like the the um, sad puppy nonsense, which right. we've, you know, it's several years old. It's very complica- complicated. Basically, the um, those awards, somebody tried to, like, hijack those awards and to make it so that, like, social justice warriors couldn't win. And so there was this whole year of, like, the people who were voting for the Hugos, which are basically the people attending Worldcon every year. Um, If you buy a ticket, you get to vote. Um, But basically saying, we choose to not give an award versus give an award to the people that you pushed through this nomination process. Mm -hmm. And then that way, and then they were able to like change the things and it hasn't been perfect, but like, so when things go wrong um, and, and I think that, with RWA, there's been just this deep, deep failure at, like, what they're saying and what they say that they're trying to do, and then not actually, like, building a foundation where that can stand on its own, and so then things go wrong, and then they have to fix it, and then they end up saying, like, it's important for this book to have war crimes in it. Um, which is yeah. like category categorically untrue. I'm I've been told that the RWA and the president has apologized to their sure. not to the public for that statement, sure. but to their sure. to their constituents. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I think the problem specifically is that so much of an organization this big is like who who gets to like be in it and like that so there's this thing that happens in really big organizations mm-hmm. where they just require so much time and attention and they become this larger than life sort of organization where some people are mostly about the organization rather than being about a writer who is in the organization mm-hmm. um and there's been this push and pull with when everything goes wrong, the the leaders of RWA, who are in a lot of times trying very, very hard to do very good things, um, say, no, 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 we want this to be open to all different types of writers. We want we want diversity in our membership. We want diversity in our mm-hmm. award winners. We want diversity in our leadership. In our leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem with that is that it's it's a sort of like glass cliff situation where you know they they make this 
they make this change, but then the pushback is, well, I'm co- like that. I'm coming here to just like write my books and to like have some fun, and it's like a social club, right? And so there is the the fundamental push and pull between RWA is like, is this going to be like a haven, like social club for racist white ladies? Or is it going to be, like, a forward-thinking, diverse, professional organization? And so that's that tension sort of sits at what I think we're going to take this conversation yeah. now, which is, like, what is the point of this and what should it be? Because the thing that it feels like everyone who I see talk about these things online and, you know, anyone who really listens to a show like ours, you know, I mean, at this point you know, our audience is probably a little bit self-selecting, you know what I mean? I don't think we are attracting the type that would disagree with what I'm about to say, which is that it feels like a lot of people really want organizations like this to be focused on support and equity and inclusion and making sure that people who try to make a life, you know, in whatever way that means to them as a romance writer have the resources and community and information and transparency available to them so that they can make the best and healthiest and most sustainable go at it, right? Like, that's kind of what we want these organizations to be. But that seems to sit in really stark contrast to what is actually happening, you know, which is like what you described, which is that mostly these clubs are... I think you're right to call them sort of a social club, but it's also very, like, individualistic, anyone's relationships to an organization like this, whether it's this one or any other genre-based one. Like, and what I mean by that is you become a member of something like RWA or whatever because you yourself are looking for something, right? You want to find some opportunities or you want to find, you know, some sort of something that is going to help you that you can then take and you know, apply to your own work. And that's, that's perfectly fine. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that on the individual writer level. Of course, a writer is going to turn to any sort of big organization in the field they work in and say, okay, what can I get out of this? It's not even, it's not necessarily even a bad attitude to have toward it, you know, but like when you multiply that across everyone in an org or enough people within an org and everyone is simply looking at an organization in that sort of transactional extractive way Mm -hmm. where it's like what can I get out of this or what can I like it sort of tears at the cohesive fabric that makes an organization an organization right and what ends up happening is like you get incoherent results like what we just got which is an organization that has been like very publicly focused on ramping up diversity and inclusion efforts awarding their first ever award once they've done that retooling to a book about Native American genocide. You know what I mean? Like, how does that happen? And, like, how can they, how can that have been something that took place? Because, like, the judges are presumably RWA members. Like, they are there's members, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of steps in this that involve members of RWA saying, yes, this is fine. You know what I mean? And, like, It's very strange to think, well, how can all of this be occurring within the same organization? And to me, the answer is because, really, these big professional orgs, they're not one organization. They're a thousand tiny organizations of people looking at it and seeing, okay, this is what RWA or this is whatever organization it is. This is what it means to me. This is what I am trying to pull from it. And I don't have – and this is the crucial part, I think, 
I don't have to be in true good faith commune with anyone else who's a part of this organization, right? Like I'm here for me and that's the end of it. And I think when we think about how do we want these organizations to transform? How do we want a literary collective, whatever that ends up looking like across whatever field, how can we get it to do what we want it to do, which is very much not this, you know, <laughs> like how can we get different outcomes? I think that fabric is really important. You know, I think that we do need to kind of arrive at a place where apart from just like nominal dues or, you know, paying, you know, like signing up or whatever, that there is a more healthy give and take that could then kind of foster actual organic conversation between members, right? Because then what you'll end up happening, what you'll see end up happening is like these, the people who are, you know, we see talking about how RWA needs to be a certain thing, we need it to be inclusive, we need all these things, like they will necessarily, because they are in the same organization as the people who very clearly do not believe that about this, they'll have to talk, you know? Like, there will have to be some back and forth. And that way, like, somewhere people will kind of arrive at a point of agreement with regard to at least foundational organizational philosophy, even if, like, I mean, we're never going to resolve every disagreement, but, like, dialogue between members and actually using each person within an organization as a way of shaping what it is and giving people a stake I just think that's really key and it's really missing. I mean, think about whatever, even if you're like not, even if your day job is like not in publishing, right? Or wherever it is, like you're probably a part of some professional society, right? Like you've got some membership to something. And think about your relationship to that. Like my guess is it's not, there's not a lot of back and forth. There's, you checking the email, seeing if there's anything relevant to you, and deleting the email, and then, or, or going to the breakfast, yes, or go, and then going, seeing away. if there's anyone there that's worth talking to, or leaving, or checking the jobs postings. You know what I mean? Like it's very much, and you're not at fault for that. Again, I want to emphasize, like that is how these things are set up. But like that approach and that general philosophy of how its members engage with the organization, it does create a situation where everyone is operating on their own terms, and the collective growth that we supposedly want these organizations to achieve, right? Like, the point of these things is to try to push romance writing in the direction we want it to go, yeah. right, for or everyone. any type of writing, yeah. yeah. The, the point of a writer's organization is, you know, it's, it's not to, you know, have diversity or whatever. Yeah. Like, the point is, is to create a space where people get better. Yes. They get better at their writing. They get better opportunities. They get better knowledge about how to succeed professionally. They get better contacts that can help educate. Like, they get better in all of the ways it's required for a artist or a person who wants to work in publishing to get better, right? And certain organizations focus on certain aspects of that betterment, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think... I, you know, and then I, I look at something like RWA that's, you know, one of our things is now like we're we're pushing to make this a diverse, inclusive space, but they haven't like they haven't convinced their members why that's better. 
like I mean, you and I sitting here, yeah. we know because yeah. we can draw the line where it's like, okay, so if we have um, a more diverse group of writers, we're going to have a more diverse and more exciting uh, set of stories. More, like, more readers are going to feel seen in those stories, and then that'll be better for the genre. But, like, that, like, and then this, and then this, and then this, um, like hasn't necessarily been done. It hasn't sunk in yet with right. nearly enough of an organization. And I think like right. the reason for that is because people are not actually they don't go they don't see the organization as collective. They see it as a personal right. resource. Right. Right. And I like, mean it's easy to do when you go to the big conference and there's like shirtless cover models walking <laughs> around and like a sure. what was there? There was like a a solid chocolate Cinderella pumpkin carriage. I remember seeing. Wow. Yeah, no. And that, I'm like, that's fun. First thing I do when I see a solid chocolate Cinderella pumpkin carriage is I say, "Every man for himself." Do not care about the collective. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it, it's fun. Yeah. But like, when you when you distill it down to like, what is the point of a writer's organization? Right. It's to make individuals better it's to make them better the key there members in to make individuals better to make them better literary citizens and together and i think this is the key like there's got to be people driving the boat right and like those people the people who are running the organizations and crucially the people who are part of the organization uh the people who are part of the organization need to understand that as citizens they are coming together and they are becoming stewards together like they are driving the boat like there is actual consequences to the support you yeah. give a marginalized author there and like and that means you know monetary security in a lot of ways for that author it means they have opportunities it means that the scope of publishing changes overall like there are good things that can come out of that. And when, and like, and, and to be clear, you know, like we're, I, I, I realize I sort of presented this as a foil to like a social club where, you know, you've yeah. got shirtless male models all the time. And like, I think the social aspect is deeply important because writing and publishing is such a solitary and like oftentimes disheartening, like, thing that you're doing and so it's important to have those personal relationships but I think to call it to talk about it being a social club devalues like the importance of that collective because when you put people together you should come up with a collective well so I think like the key there is like social on what terms right yeah. like because right now I think RWA and and again, like I'm not singling them out in this regard. Like, it's an organization that's social on the level of people trying to find their own opportunities, right? Like, it's a very "what can I get out of these interactions" type of thing, as opposed to in conversation, "what can we all, as a one single organization that presumably is all bought into the same goal," which I do not think has happened. Like, what can we build together? Like, if mm -hmm. that sort of conversation were happening more. Like, I think we'd be in a very different place. Yeah. Like, I, I just look again, like, at this whole award thing, and I think, okay, you have an organization who has a ton of members right now who are very deeply offended and upset 
um, at you know the various powers that be or the judges of this contest or whatever. And you would think from that ruling that none of these people had anything in common, right? And in a lot of ways, maybe they don't. But in some ways, they do. And one key one, which is that they're all members of the same governing body or they're all members of the same, like, organization. And, like, I just think if there were ways to foster actual organic conversation toward what we want romance publishing or whatever. Again, I'm just using romance publishing. I'm just talking about RWA. What we want romance publishing to be together as a group of people who have come together to decide to discuss that. There would never be a situation where we would get together a set of judges from within the organization. They would look at these submissions, and they would willingly give an award to a book that they knew would so deeply hurt and offend so many other people that they've been talking to. You know what I mean? Like Other I, members, yeah. I just feel like there's no way this book wins this award if the people who judged this contest were in consistent and close touch with the people who were because you wouldn't do that right like i mean because if we're fostering like any sort of like social fabric here or like any sort of empathy between members or like any sort of sense of the collective good you wouldn't do things that so very frankly very obviously would alienate other people who you know to have the same stake in the situation as you you know what i mean like this is the product of a million different or you know however many you know however many thousands you know people acting with the what their own vision of what RWA is to them you know and i don't know i just, i just think like that fabric between people in whatever way it can be cultivated and getting people to buy into the idea that these organizations shouldn't just be a place where you go to get what you need but rather a place where we all go to give each other what we all need and thus understand that we might all benefit from that far more than any of us might be able to just kind of cut and run ourselves, right? Things like this, I think, would disappear a little bit because you wouldn't do things that hurt people you are aware of, you know? If the buy-in was more than who has, you know, two grand to go to this fancy hotel for a week and, like, who has money to pay for agent critiques and like who you know like who has who has the the money to buy in like if it, if the buy-in is more than financial and it's an access isn't like it's not transactional right because like i feel yes. i feel like yes. a lot of organizations right now and this expands beyond writers organizations but i'm thinking about you know those businessy ones yeah. that you know that that it's so transactional. It's, well, okay, I pay this much for this club, right? This women's club, right. this professional club, right. this young business, whatever, this writer's club. And I expect to get X, Y, Z out of it. If instead is I'm going to invest this amount of money to become part of a and, – and this amount of time or this amount of knowledge or this amount of, like – mental effort right i am i'm investing in this and with like the awareness that i might be investing more than other people because i might be in a position to invest more than other people but i like value those people in this and i want to learn from them and i want to help them learn and and we can like get more out of it like i feel like what we're talking about is really just like 
a really good critique partner or like small critique group on a, a, on a, yeah. a writ large, like beyond just like Eric, your short story needs work. <laughs> like well, beyond re- that, it's it's taking that that idea where it's like if you critique my work, I'll critique your work, and we'll both be better for it. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, well, it's the sense of non-monetary buy-in. I think you're exactly right. right where it's like. If you want to reshape these organizations, if you want something like RWA to actually take up a more radical disposition, you know, than the one it has, which it really seems like just watching from afar from my little corner of the litfic world, like it seems like what people want, right? Like they want RWA to be an organization that reflects the sort of, I don't know, I guess you would call it progressive viewpoint that, you know, many of its members hold and which I mean, just for the record, I certainly hold like the way you're going to do that is you have to make the buy in something other than pure transaction. Yeah. Right. Like it has to be you have to approach it like I mean, I think even talking about it like it's a pure transaction is wrong because it's it it's not commodified. Yes, it's it's not a trade. Yes. It's it's a. It's it's a gift. It's a it's an investment. It's it's it's. We have to separate yeah. people from the idea of pure transaction, yeah. because then they will start thinking less in terms of their own personal what they're getting in and getting out, and more in terms of well, what are we making here together, and how and if you're going to still be callous and professional about it, how can that benefit me? And like I do want to emphasize, like this is why I kind of the said, point is for it to benefit you. Yes, that, that's that is I, the point. That's what I want to say again. That's why I was really I tried to be really overt at the beginning of this to say, like when I say people go to these organizations and they're only looking out for themselves, there's zero percent at fault for that right now because that is simply what they are. And like if you're, I mean, writing is tough. Being in publishing is tough. Of course, people are going to these organizations thinking, how can I use this? body of information and resources and things to try to find my foothold like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but a shift broadly does have to occur for these spaces but these i guess like what i'm saying is like given how publishing is given how people are approaching these organizations like this is what you're going to get you're going to get people coming to these things with completely separate notions of what rwa is and should be and until there's some sort of like attention paid to the collective fabric and what anyone who is a part of this organization is both putting in and expecting to get out then I don't know that you're going to you're going to change it you know and I think you know we were doing our little like utopia exercise of like well, what would the you know literary orgs you know exactly as we want them do and it's like the answer is just that I mean, in, in so many ways, the answer is that publishing would just look entirely differently than it does. You know, like pe- writing would be a job that you could have. You know, okay. like, but like the point is, you just have to get a little bit of that buy-in early because otherwise, we're going to be kind of stuck doing this again in a year when something else happens at a different trade association. You know, so I do. I I I think all of us can probably that are members of organizations like this and certainly professionals in publishing can certainly like reflect on how their position and how they behave specifically at like conferences or, you know, online, whether they're online or in person, um, how that like reinforces like a community or just like allows it to not exist at all in a writing uh, in a writing um, group but 
I want to I want to take us down the road. So something that we do at Headwater, which is our agency, mm-hmm. um, is that we have instituted a rule where we will go to your conferences, we will teach at your conferences, we will be available and open and we will love it. But one thing that we will not do is we will not take critiques. Um, like we will not take pitches. And the reason for that is because, well, there, it's it's many fold. But one of the things, so a lot of the times, if you've never been to a writer's conference, there's the normal programming. And then a lot of the times they fly agents in and just kind of like, I don't know how they pick, like, you know, a rough smattering. So hopefully they kind of like cover most of the things. Um, they fly agents in and for extra money, you can have 10 minutes with them and pitch your book with the hope that they will say, yes, I will. Uh, I will read your book. Um, The chances of you finding the right agent for you in your career at one of those things in that environment is super low. And so, and also like there's a huge barrier to entry in terms of like the cost of it, right? And so basically we're brought in to make extra money for the conference so that it can be put on. And I don't begrudge them making extra money, but I do begrudge them charging for access to me when querying me is free. And most importantly, I don't think it's a valuable use. And it's not like a community oriented or like a a career oriented use of the author's time or money. So instead what I'll do is I'll say, I don't want people to pitch me, but what I will do is I will see anybody, no matter what genre they write in, and I will spend 10 minutes with them working on their pitch and give them something more durable than a yes or a no exactly like something that isn't just purely transactional right like trying to make that time because i mean we just i mean and this would be a whole other separate episode about conferences and stuff but like the point is trying to orient toward like like skill building sustainability yeah sustainable skill building as opposed to Yes or no pipeline managing. Right. And, and like, I want, I, I, like, if they're going to pay money, I want them to pay money for something, for that, something they yes. that they can use yeah. then to bring to everybody rather yeah. than just paying me for a yes or a no, right. where I don't see that money anyway. Right. And so, like, you know, on our, <laughs> we rail all the time about like the ridiculousness of the like cottage industries that have popped up specifically around querying and querying writers. Um, mostly because querying is, it's most of the people do it who want to be published because it's the first step. Um, and it's really easy to like teach and learn and correct because it's very formulaic. But the thing is, is like there's a bunch of people who have now like created jobs around and in businesses around I will teach you the secret I will tell you that there are specific rules and the reason that you are not getting requests is because you you know put your formula right and that's not a thing like I did a big I did like a big rant like last a week or two or whatever on Twitter about like how that's not a thing um and I'm just thinking about like if we were in a community and that had or like there was a writing community, there were many writing communities that had that sort of lasting oriented, we're going to make everyone better. Like you would kind of, you wouldn't have individual writers, first of all, falling for that sort of thing. Mm. Um, 
you would be able to bring in publishing professionals in a constructive, collaborative way right. rather than like teaching a class about here's how you do a query, right? Like that's not super like useful in with our expertise. It's not super useful for an agent for an editor's expertise. Yeah. Like what we can talk to you about, like we can go so much further in depth and bring so much more value that if you had a community rather than just a like group of people who are trying to like get something out of it but all of that something is different right. like if you have everybody working together you're going to level everybody up so fast and you're going to be able to use the resources you have better and more effectively and like quite honestly i prioritize certain um conferences based on like how i don't want to say like advanced but yeah. but like yeah. how specific or in depth or like beyond just things you can google and things that i'm like constant like if i don't have to combat the cottage industry like one one easy trick yeah. to get a request yeah. i will go to those places over you know the big flashy conference where i just sit in a room and it's like a cattle call and i just have to say yes or no to everybody or i just have to tell people like this is what a metadata paragraph yeah. is well i think like just to loop it back to the idea of like what should a literary organization be i mean i think you touched on something really good there which is that embracing a sense of collective responsibility as opposed to individual transaction mm -hmm. It expands the possibilities for what these things could be and the outcomes we could get by so much. Like, I mean, I, I just think a lot about, like, when, when we've talked in the past about um, imprints shutting down or reshuffling. You know, we talk about the fabric that gets lost, mm. that sort of intangible things. You can't just take these things apart and put them back together again so easily. And I think that I, I say that because it sort of speaks to this idea of it's really special and profound when you get a group of people who have bought into a similar framework of like this is what we're trying to be collectively as opposed to here's what my specific career is trying to do right now and that's something that only develops organically through trying to foster it you know mm -hmm. and i just think i think like the way to avoid or you know missteps like giving an award giving your diversity focused award to a book that centers on a Native American genocide, like, the way to avoid that is to just get everybody in conversation with one another at a much earlier and far less transactional context, you know? And because, I don't know, it just seems like the key here is that not everybody agrees what RWA is or should be. And it's not that they have to totally agree about everything, but, like, even just talking right even just having interactions and like being in discussion with one another seeing each other not as like you know isolated people but as part of the same group which they are because they are members of the same place like that should matter a lot more than it does you know yeah i think there's there's something to be said about writers who work really hard to make this endeavor not a lonely one and i think there's a lot of space in large organizations that are unfocused and transaction based i think there's a lot of room to be lonely in those spaces and there's a lot of room to be taken advantage of in those spaces mm -hmm. um so yeah i would love to challenge 
all of the writers and all of the agents and all of the editors and everybody who uh, in some way, shape, or form takes part in these organizations to see what little thing you can do um, to to make it better and to to be part of you know a great movement of literary stewardship and maybe that means burning it all down and starting from scratch <laughs> and maybe it doesn't uh, <laughs> um, but I think I think it's a really worthwhile endeavor yeah no yeah. me too I mean I, I think like we have to I mean it just feels like across so many different parts of publishing people are sort of coming to terms with the fact that we're gonna have to totally rethink some of these models and yeah I'm honestly energized by it. it, No, it's it's interesting and good work, and it's important work. um, It means a lot that that like you and I are able to say no, we won't come to your conference and do do like pitches, but we'll do critiques and we'll teach this class and we'll do this special thing for you. You know, like there's it's it's exciting and it's fulfilling and you know i know you're a writer from a creative standpoint yeah no i mean you it's come out of that a with more, much more yeah so yeah. anyway let's all let's all push for that you know <laughs> that sort of cohesive collective fabric as opposed to every man for himself you and know? if you've got one of those going i would love to hear about yeah, it yeah no send us examples <laughs> like if your writing group does something really cool we want to hear about it we'll highlight it like, yeah send it hell to us. invite us we'll come and we'll do like a whole <laughs> we'll do like a whole Have thing me with you over. i'll eat the snacks i will he sure will i'll be a complete menace to your conversation <laughs> let me in Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of Print Run. Remember to send us your suggestions, your questions, your queries, your first pages, or anything else. We're at printrunpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you for a regular episode. Mm -hmm. Maybe not next week, but very soon. Soon. Happy Bookbird Summer, everyone. Bye. Bye.